1: Get ready to look good in a new pair of cowboy boots. Country music stars adore this classic footwear in performances, music videos, and the red carpet. The styles have evolved over the years, and the popularity of the footwear has exploded. Here's a challenge for you. Head down to Lower Broad and count the pairs of cowboy boots you see in one hour. Tweet us at ThisIsNashville with your tally. My money is at about 150. All jokes aside, cowboy boots are a big part of our city's fashion scene. How did that come to be? That's coming up later this hour. But first, Grammy nominations have arrived. As you can imagine, this is a big moment for Music City each year, because the list of nominees always includes a who's who of country music stars with Nashville ties. But the announcement yesterday, also honors local talents across a wide range of genres. And we've got the perfect person here to tell us everything we need to know. Julie Height is our senior music writer for Nashville Public Radio. Julie, welcome back to This is Nashville.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: It's also Awesome. Always great to have you. So before we get to the nominees, I'm curious, what were you watching for this time around?
2: Well, I mean, like you mentioned, I knew good and well that there would be a lot of Nashville representation in the country categories, in the contemporary Christian categories, in the Americana categories, but I was curious to see what would happen well beyond that in some less expected categories, and also in in some of the all genre, like the big marquee categories, best new artists, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: So, uh the top of your list for Nashville artists had to be the Tennessee State University Aristocrat of Bands. Now, Julie, you did a story about them and we invited you on the show back in September when their album The Urban Hymnal came out. The album blends the HBU marching band tradition with gospel. Here's a sample of how that sounds in their song Going Going. <laughs> That's another bad kid raised in a church. Back then they were tear to rehearse. Something scary if you're weary, this'll work. Lift hands, lay hands, and convert. Now I talk to God, guy, he my homie. He talks to me like an OG. I feel like no one else knows me. If he got me, no
0: one can hold me. Invisible, but you know if you know me, yeah. Baptist, keep that all on the leak. Bit poor, I ain't pressed if I eat. bit freed. So your chain ain't impressive to me. Peace, dig up my lyrics with fossils. Tell them
1: I made the new gospel Sing out the hymns in the churches Show them that life in perfect Keep going, going, going Just keep going, going, going
3: Yeah, going, going, going Yeah, going, going, going. Just keep going, going, yeah Just keep going,
1: going, yeah I get all right oh. It's like the very definition of uplifting right there. I love it. It's fresh. So, Julie, tell us, what went into this huge effort by that band?
2: You know, the the rapping that you heard right there on that track, that was Sir the Baptist, one of the producers of the Urban Hymnal, and he was one of the first people that I texted when that nomination came out yesterday, Sir the Baptist and Larry Jenkins, who's the assistant band director of TSU's Aristocrat of Bands because they shepherded this project through I I texted them to congratulate them they were the co-producers on that album and it's in the best roots gospel category because it spans just eras of gospel tradition and the songwriting i mean from spirituals up through golden age of gospel and very very contemporary sounds and that is intersecting with HBCU band tradition and hip hop recording techniques and tradition so all of those things i mean it was an incredibly innovative and historic project and they were i mean they made a big deal about submitting it for a Grammy. You know, Mm -hmm. we talked quite a bit about how big of a deal that would be, what it would mean, how it would kind of be the cherry on the top of a truly historic project if they were to get nominated. So I was pretty stoked for them when they did get nominated yesterday.
1: It's a well-deserved honor. And like I said, the album is absolutely fresh. When we had Professor Larry Jenkins in studio talking about the record on that previous episode, he was just dancing and bouncing the entire time. I love it.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, it's. I mean, what an amazing thing for the students in that marching band and for their effort to kind of create this new template for what an HBCU band can do and how they can capture their sound and fund their program in the process. I mean, I think this just really caps off the effort of, I think Prof. Jenkins told us what it was, a th- or he and Sir the Baptist said it was about a thousand people that contributed to that project. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people to be excited
1: about the fruits of their labor. Okay, we have the pleasure of staying with artists who Julian and Nashville Public Radio have been featuring in the past year. Jessie Wilson is nominated. She is the current Nashville Artist of the Month for WNXP. She's an artist who's really having, she's having a moment right now. But she's someone you have been following for a while. For those who don't know much about her, what's her musical path been like?
2: She has been working professionally since she was a kid, really, but she's been, she's been moving through high-profile circles since the mid-2000s when she was working with John Legend, singing backup with him, appearing on his albums, writing with him. So she has a ton of credits as a vocalist, as a professional songwriter, and as a recording artist in a ton of different scenes, ton of different genre spaces. I mean, she was working in New York. L.A., Atlanta and then came to Nashville, had a duo called Muddy Magnolias, and then released a fantastic solo album called Phase in 2019. But, I mean, she's also been through a lot since then, a Mm. lot of loss, personal loss, professional loss. I mean, losing loved ones, losing Mm. a pregnancy, losing her belief that good things would come of, of her efforts, and losing her publishing deal. So she was, you know, in a place where she, thought she might be done with music before her song Keep Rising landed in the movie The Woman King mm-hmm. and that is the song that was nominated for a Grammy. So for her too, I mean when I when I interviewed her in the studio, she was talking about what a big deal it would be to her to be nominated for a Grammy because she's she's had She's had nods for her songwriting work for other artists, but this has her name on it and her spirit in it. And that means something completely different. Mm
1: And I know you're looking up and down all the Grammy categories. Let's talk about one of the big categories. Best new artist. Is there a Nashville artist in the mix for that category? Oh,
2: there is there. There almost always is, but it usually would be kind of the biggest rising name from the mainstream country realm. And this year, it is it is something completely different. It is Molly Tuttle. She's a singer songwriter. She is a virtuosic flat picking guitarist, and she comes from the bluegrass world. I actually first uh, interviewed her when she was really establishing herself in her home genre, because she's the first woman to win best guitar player of the year in her own genre awards, the International Bluegrass Music Association Awards. That Mm -hmm. was in 2017, you know, and so she earned respect there first, which is no easy thing to do to prove your chops as a musician and that you know that tradition and are innovating and contributing. And then she, you know, did things that appealed well beyond that, that were more atmospheric and in touch with pop trends and experimental and, you know, releasing all kinds of projects and covers. And then this year she circled back to Bluegrass and made a fantastic album called Crooked Tree. It's all, you know, original songwriting and some really hot Picking some really high energy stuff, and okay. I think maybe we should hear a little bit uh, a track that encapsulates that called She'll Change.
1: She don't worry about tomorrow,
2: she's got plenty on her mind. Don't have to beg, steal, or borrow, just snaps her little fingers, and they all stand in line. She's never heard the word vision, she don't defend nor deny. She's got every single piece. She needs to survive and die by your side. Hot picking right there. Mm-hmm. That's fresh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that is a, a musician who knows her tradition and is also, you know, pushing pushing it forward and is very open minded. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in that category.
1: All right. So a lot of people were watching this to see what would happen with some of the new Grammy categories. You featured a pair of local artists who helped redefine the spoken word category. What's the latest on that?
2: That is true. Last year on WNXP, we featured a project that S Rap and Rashad the Poet did together. I mean, they they bridged the worlds of spoken word poetry and hip hop. They teamed up not only to make an album together, but to help bring together a lot of their creative peers. Because what had happened for for many years in the Grammy category spoken word was it was dominated by celebrity audiobooks. Mm. You know, celebrities narrating their memoirs that's that's always who won it was never anyone doing spoken word poetry so they helped bring together enough poets and you know poet recording artists to submit their work to prove that they needed their own category and that category now exists spoken word poetry album uh for this is the first year that that it exists so they got to see the fruits of their labors you know coming together with other artists to make their work recognized
1: another category is songwriter of the year now we all know that nashville prides itself on being a songwriter's town heck You know, we've done a show on that. True, you did. Yeah, it was great. But how is this new songwriter award relevant to our music scene?
2: Yeah, I mean, in in Nashville, like you're saying, there are just so many people, so many different kinds of writers who focus on the profession of writing outside of a performing context. And that is what this new award is for. So it's different from, you know, all of the the song of the year category for all genres and then everything specific to genre that's, you know, R&B, song of the year, that, that kind of thing, because those go to often to, you know, the artists who has written the song and their co-writers and this is specifically for very active contemporary songwriters who are writing stuff with and for other artists mm. and I knew I knew that there would be a Nashville representative at least one in that category and there is Laura Veltz is the Nashville based songwriter who who is nominated in this first round of nominees and she works with a lot of pop country artists, and just straight-up pop artists. So, you know, some of the very contemporary big-name stuff that she helped shape would be on the new albums by Maren Morris, Ingrid Andrus, and a whole bunch of tracks on that Demi Lovato album.
1: Ooh. Okay. Julie Height is Senior Music Writer for WPLN and WNXP. The Grammys are coming up on February 5th, so we'll be watching to see which Nashville artists bring home awards. Julie, as always, thanks for being here, and thanks for your reporting. You are so welcome. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to step into some cowboy boots and learn how this Southwestern style became a Nashville staple. Do you own a pair of cowboy boots? Why do you enjoy wearing them? Tweet us at ThisIsNashville. We'll be right back. Khalil E. Colonna, and this is Nashville. About six years ago, my sister came to visit me when I was living in New Mexico. One of her goals was to get a pair of cowboy boots, custom made. I decided to tag along. I had no idea how cowboy boots were made, let alone the amount of detail that goes into them. Now, full full disclosure, I'm pretty much a tennis shoe guy, so this was all new to me. About $5,000 later, you heard me, five grand. She had a beautiful pair of boots made just for her. She told me they were some of the most comfortable things she's ever put on her feet. That experience told me this is serious business. Wes Shugart knows this well. He runs Music City Leather, where he makes custom boots. We sent our intern, Tori Hoover, to see how it works firsthand.
3: Wes Shugart says there are more than 350 steps that go into making a cowboy boot. Hammering is just one. Rolls of leather and suede line the walls of his Brentwood studio, filling the metal shelves in his workshop and filling the room with that classic leather smell. Mixed with the Palo Santo incense he burns every day. Wes is sitting on a low stool at his workbench hammering the leather into a boot sole. He makes these boots to order, so they're customized from the very beginning. I take
0: eight measurements of your feet and I build the boot to fit your foot perfectly. You pick your leather, you pick your design. I make them the way they were made in the late 1800s, early 1900s, I make them by hand. That includes shaping the leather, Crafting the intricate design
3: work and stitching the pieces together.
0: This is a 1931 soul stitcher. Her name is Edith. Edith
3: is the crown jewel of this workshop. It's a Landis 12 model, grass green and about four feet high with giant silver wheels on either side. It's used to create neat, tight rows of stitching along the outer soles of boots. Wes uses traditional tools, and he takes his time. So it's no surprise that custom boots from Music City Leather can cost a pretty penny, some up to $10,000. And making these boots this way? That can take up to 100
0: hours. Yes, you can make a boot a lot faster. You can make a boot a lot cheaper, but the custom makers we want to stay true to our roots, um, create a lasting product, and we we have found the only way to do that is to do it by hand, so we can check every single step. Most of us makers only make a couple of pair a month, where the big supply houses and the big boot makers, they can make hundred to six hundred pair a day. Wes is a strong believer in the traditional process of boot making. The cowboy boot is a tool and now in today's world it's huge in fashion and I make you know everyday boots for people but I also make boots for cowboys that this is their tool it's like their hat their horse their saddle their rope Um, without the proper boot, the proper fitting boot, or a strong, long-lasting boot, they can't do their job. It almost becomes dangerous to them to have a big boot that doesn't fit trying to stay in the saddle chasing calves.
3: He grew up on a cattle ranch in Georgia, so he's practically been wearing cowboy boots since he was born. It wasn't until he was an adult that he realized he wanted to make a living out of it. He went west to learn from a third-generation bootmaker in New Mexico. And he's been at it ever since. And you know he's still wearing cowboy boots himself. Today
0: Today I am wearing a pair of cranberry red pig skin with um, electric blue baby alligator foxing. Some call it wingtips In the cowboy boot world, we call it foxing. Uh, The tops are a sky blue kid skin with yellow, Kangaroo butterflies and cranberry red um, kid skin flowers on it. I've got, they're a peewee style, they're about nine inches tall, and they have a white collar on them that mimics clouds.
3: The look of Wes's boots? It makes sense when you think about his take on a proper
0: cowboy boot. It should look like a flower where it roots you to the ground, but you feel like you're lifted up and you feel powerful. But in the grand scheme of a cowboy boot, everything about it is meant to do something. If you look at the history of that and what the cowboy portrays to so many people, the expansion of the American West, it embodies kind of the freedom and and the feeling of adventure that America likes to be known for. If you're wearing
1: them for fun or to make a fashion statement, you have to have the right person helping you to choose the perfect design. My next guest has been making cowboy boots for 70 years. That's right, 7-0. He's designed boots for Elvis Presley, Dolly Parton, and Johnny Cash, just to name a few. Manuel Cuevas, welcome to This is Nashville. Thank you. It's an honor to be talking with you, sir. Well,
4: same here.
1: Ah, shucks. You're making me blush. So, seven decades is a really, really long time. How did you get started?
4: Well, uh, no different than anybody that starts anything today. The only thing is, how do you respect the history of what you learn and how you apply it? I mean, there was times in my life, and I'm telling you how many times, millions of times when my mouth was full of nails. Mm. Back when you used to throw your nails in your mouth and then nail them on the sole of a boot. And those days are practically gone nowadays because of the technology that we enjoy naturally. Mm-hmm. I no longer make boots. I only have students that are expert boot makers and they make him for me. When I need him, they know exactly. I feel like they are right in my room working like they used to be when they were young kids, you know. And when I say young kids, these guys were like about being here in America. You had to be like 18 and older to really work hard like that. Yeah. Even learn like that. You know, nowadays we are in a different world. And yes, I understand. I understand the Landis machine, the conversation that, that I just heard from West. I'll tell you, this is something that I experienced. I use the Landis machine on my fingers.
1: Mm.
4: I mean, I did as more as many as four stitches in one of my fingers. Wow, I mean, I learned the wrong way. I was solely in one, one pair of boots on the machine, which is also a modern thing. Mm-hmm. I had that on. It also, I also run my skins for that. Wow! So I, I have the experience, but I'll tell you what—the pride that you take in doing something that you really enjoy doing. I work with the, you know, the gold, uh, the. But whatever the heck, I I forget even their names, but a lot of, I work with Sam. I mean, Sam and I were growing up together, Sam Lucchese, which is way back, Mr. Cuadra. A lot of people like Pedro Muñoz, like. Oh, my God. I could mention a bunch of them, and I don't want to mention more because then the others get, hey, you mentioned <laughs> this and that. But they <laughs> forgot about me. Yes. <clears throat> and, me. and I do the same thing with the clients. Some clients, they say, oh, my God. You know, that you make, yes, I made boots for Ronald Reagan. Let me you know? Wow. that president, Former President Reagan, that's impressive.
1: Let, let me ask you this question. You are a master bootmaker, so... What makes the cowboy boots so special?
4: Well, uh, I experienced this in Europe when I saw some cowboys coming off the plane. And it's really, I had done Western movies like forever, right? Mm-hmm. Being my first one, uh, oh my goodness, okay, with James Dean, a giant. Okay. So I, I date back in my young age when I was dressing the Rat Pack, the, all the cowboys of all the time, so the, to a point where Edith Head, after I had the, the grand dude of meeting her, mm. told me, says, "Monroe, you're the king of cowboy. Marilyn and, Monroe called you the king of cowboy. I mean, you're the king of cowboys. You're going to do this, you're going to do that. And she even asked me, she says, Manuel, have you ever entertained the idea of being a head of wardrobe in a movie? I said, kind of. But I really, I hate to think big. She said, well, don't you ever even ambition to be that? Mm-hmm. You dress... Artists. That's all you do. Don't dress the three thousand people that take part in the movie. Mm. Especially those that are killed in the, in the first ten seconds of the beginning of the movie. <laughs> you gotta dress the artists, the people that are kissing mm. or saying goodbye or whatever they are doing in the in the script. But those are the people that you dress, which will be two or four, nor unless it's a group. Because I was dressed Bonanza for, oh, wow. for 14 years. Man, man, Marshall Dillon. I mean, uh, anybody, that all those shows. That's a- I, I was, it was just fun. And I learned my... The, that's why I'm so American that way. Because I only do like American style. And boots are nothing but American. I mean... Really? So
1: let me ask you about that American style, that unique style that you had, because from what I understand is you would make a pair of shoes for someone, and someone would say, hey, I would like to get the same pair of shoes we saw you design for Elvis or for Dolly Parton.
4: But you refuse, right? Always. I never do two things alike. That's why I don't make socks. (laughs) But the boots I know, you you know... uh, Hello, you, you you got to make a pair, but I make them different. Mm. And, and none of my clients know that they are different, but I know they are different. One boot is different than the other in a little way, somewhere. I I tried to be that way. But let me bring you back to the importance of boots. Yes, sir. When, when I was talking about Europe, I saw that, you know, then I... Like, I totally concur that, you know, there's not a woman in in the world that at least one time has ramped over a nice pair of boots parked in her bedroom. Mm -hmm. The rest is up to everybody's interpretation, but I'll tell you, a cowboy is a cowboy, you know. Yeah. And there's power in that. I, I really know for a fact that Texas represents the United States of America. Why? Because of the hat, the belt, the boots. Mm. And when I did uh, Urban Cowboy, I really, a lot of normal people, which is fine and dandy to say, learned... What you learn about a pair of boots through your sister. I'll tell you these cowboys, these wranglers carry a twenty five hundred dollar buckle at their belt. Yeah. They have a six, seven thousand dollars pair of boots in their feet. Mm. They have a five, six hundred dollar belt and attached to their buckle. I mean, come on, it's so super, it's the best there is, I think. Yes, sir. That doesn't make me, of course, like a Western tailor and, and the king of cowboy, like, me see, name But I believe that there is power in, in, in Western clothing. And in Western Boots. Yes, sir. If you're just
1: tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Le Ecolona. We're talking this hour about the history of cowboy boots, which have become a popular style in Nashville. Now, I want to bring in my next guest. Karen Corday is a fashion journalist who wrote a series on Western fashion for wide open country. Karen, welcome to This Is Nashville.
5: Hi. Thank you for having me.
1: Such a pleasure to have you with us. Can you Can you tell us a little bit about how... Nashville became the hub for cowboy boots.
5: Nashville, um, ha, you know, is sort of the modern hub for cowboy boots. I think because of country music, right? Um, that's they were sort of, you know, adopted by country superstars, and that's Nashville for you. But the history of them actually dates back very far um, and very beyond Nashville.
1: Tell me, can you tell us more about the history of cowboy boots?
5: Yeah. Um, so they're an amalgamation of different types of work boots that have been used by horseback riders throughout history. Um, one of the earliest examples is uh, Genghis Khan's Mongolian army from the 13th century, who famously wore boots with red high heels, high heels, of course, practical for riding because they keep feet. In stirrups. Hmm. Um, of course, other predecessors include Hessian boots, which were named for the German city of Hesse and worn by German soldiers in the 18th century. Um, they, along with Wellington boots, which were named for uh, the Duke of Wellington, Arthur Wellesley, who defeated Napoleon at Waterloo, were uh, adopted by England's elite as sort of fashion statements. Uh, Wellington boots are similar to cowboy boots in that they were made in four pieces um, and they had stacked heels, although they were lower. And then English colonists brought both styles to the United States, um, where there, of course, um, Mexico has contributed so much to Western fashion and Mexican vaqueros who adopted uh, cattle driving via horseback from Spanish colonists um, are generally credited with adding spurs to their boots which allowed them to kind of communicate with their horses. And those boots were shorter and flatter than what became American cowboy boots. But these are all sort of the the background that contributed to cowboy boots today.
1: So, so what's made the American cowboy boot, what's made this such an enduring part of the culture, our culture here in the States?
5: Um, I think, well, they became they sort of became what they are now during the cattle drives of the 1860s to 1890s. And several different um, cobblers are credited with inventing um, cowboy boots. There's T.C. McInerney, um, William Bright and John Cubine, who created coffee, uh, coffee boots out of Coffeeville, Kansas. Mm. Charles Hire, the Hire Boot Company still exists. H.J. Uh, Justin. So in all of these cases, um, you know, people who were changing the way that America did, you know, business and and lived and and, you know, the way that people were expanding across the United States, um, cowboy boots made that possible. People went to all of these cobblers and said, I, you know, I need a boot that's, you know, with a high shaft and a high heel that's going to be durable and there's here we are today you know we still have the same boots
1: what has made what's so special about the nashville style
5: i think the nashville style is a combination of you know that of practicality um, and fashion you know i think Hmm. i think it's the ultimate example of you know a boot that can you know, that's important for work and important for safety and practicality, but also you can just, you know, completely turn them out and make them absolute fashion statements. Manuel, that's rare.
1: Manuel, what would you say is different about the Nashville well,
5: style?
4: Well, uh, it has become a style, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, the working boot, the beginning, like what you just said, it's just fantastic. It's beautiful. You know, I learn everything, every. Day, more things about all this. But what made the cowboy boot stylist, particularly here in Tennessee with the industry, like she says, the music industry has cooperated or has been a, a lead to the wearing of the boots. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you know, what what I believe really brought the boots everywhere was when the Urban Cowboy was done. Mm-hmm. When the film was done. Dustin and Hoffman became, and John Boyd. It became an artistic thing. It became a show off. I mean, people were selling hats with headbands that we've never seen in life. Uh, and, and it just brought a new fashion. It was part of fashion. Wonderful. They are part of fashion nowadays. Kids. They all want boots that had a daddy that wears a pair of boots. Look, and, may- and like I said, th- what really has changed is the emotional thing, too, the, the loving part mm. of, uh, well, it's always been like that. <laughs> I hope it continues forever. Man and woman's union, you know. Now the girls are really putting their boots on. And they look fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think a lady looks better than a horse than a man. A hat looks better than a lady than on a guy. And the pair of boots looks way better than, than a guy, you know? Uh, it I- has become a congruence yes. between men and women. Yes, sir. I agree with you. 110. 110- Percent
1: That is master designer Manuel Cuevas. He was joined by fashion journalist Karen Corday. I want to thank you both for being here today. It was an honor. It's been a
4: pleasure. You. It's been a pleasure to, to hear her talk to Beautiful. I love that.
1: We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll dive into the present day of cowboy boot fashion in our city. Who's wearing them now? And how far have the designs come over the years? How do you style your cowboy boots? Tweet us a photo at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Khalil e. Colonna, and this is Nashville. We've been talking this hour about cowboy boots and how the Southwestern staple has become a defining element of Nashville style. Now let's look at what designers and stylists are currently doing with this iconic footwear. And who better to talk with than two people who not only make sure we look good, but provide us the means to grab the latest styles. I'd like to introduce my next guests. Tiffany Gifford is a country music stylist for stars like Miranda Lambert, Cheryl Crow, among others. And Jalen Raymer is the owner and designer of Planet Cowboy and 12th South. Tw- Tiffany, Jalen. Thanks so much for being here with us today. Welcome to This is Nashville.
6: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Really? Yeah, thank you so much.
1: Pleasure to have you both. Now, Tiffany, I understand that being a stylist wasn't your original career choice, right?
6: (laughs) That's right.
1: So how did you get into this line of work?
6: Oh, gosh. Um, well, I my bachelor's degree is in early childhood education. I was going to be a kindergarten teacher and was in a relationship that I thought was going to end in marriage and w- when I was in college, and it didn't. So I went to fashion school. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I applied to Parsons School of Design in New York and um, made my way there. Once I got accepted, I was like, I guess I'm moving to New
1: York. You moved to New York? Yeah. How intense was the learning experience for you?
6: You mean just in terms of the fashion or in terms of just a uh, culture shock from being from Texas and going to New York City? That's
1: a whole nother conversation yeah. right there. The fashion part.
6: The fashion part. Wow. So I think, you know, intrinsically, I always had such an interest in fashion. Um, I loved uh, a sort of party trick was to be able to identify designers on the cover of magazines, mm-hmm. which I had no business in knowing because I shopped at, you know, Target. <laughs> um, target, target would say. exactly. Uh, so I had this weird knack of of being able to identify designers, and I just had such an interest in it. Um, so I think just absorbing everything, it, the m- massive amount of creativity in uh, at at school was just incredible. So you know the tr- transition itself, it was just kind of an exciting adventure, mm-hmm. really.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, Jalen, you're a lifelong wearer of cowboy boots, right?
7: That's correct.
1: So what kind of image do cowboy boots invoke for you?
7: Oh, gosh, it's so iconic. the um ever since I was a little girl, I just um always loved the wild western movies and we had neighbors that were cowboys, even though I was in New Jersey, surprisingly, nice. Yeah, I it's ever since, since I've been a little girl I just loved them and got my first pair when I was 12 and I've been in love since.
1: So what led you to create the Planet Cowboy brand?
7: Um that is a good question. I created the brand. Well, I had a we I had an original store in New York City. Um and it was called Space Cowboy and I needed to Reinvent a brand that I could trademark, and so it's sort of I thought space planet, and I I created this logo that was round that looked like the planet, and it also just uh, inspired me because of you know making materials that come from the planet that are as natural as possible, and it just came together as like um, it, designing and creating a new uh, Western look. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, you know, Tiffany, a lot of people get their styles from celebrities, sure. but that look is like really carefully put together. And we just learned that, you know, Manuel Cuevas will not make you the Lady Gaga boots, (laughs) even if you could afford them. Tell me about how you put together a look for your client. What are your steps?
6: Sure. So uh, virtually all of my clients are musicians. And so I definitely start with the music, whether it's a new client or An existing client that's, you know, has a new album coming out or there's a music video for a particular song. I like to let the music inform me what the image should be, Mm -hmm. Um, which from what I understand, feedback with uh, clients that I have is quite a different way of going about things than perhaps other stylists do. Um, Whenever I'm entertaining a new client, I want to hear the music first because to me, the music should tell me everything I need to know about what the image should look like. I love I love turning someone else's artistic medium into an image. Mm. So, through the ears, like, what, is that, what does that visibly feel like to me?
1: Mm. How, how often are you working with other members of the client's team to put together the look?
6: Oh, always. Um, I mean, I think it's in varying degrees depending on the client. You know, sometimes the client wants to be highly involved, sometimes their management wants to be highly involved. Sometimes they less so I would never I would say there is never a time where there isn't any involvement from anyone else. I think in a perfect world, there would be synergy from everyone uh, because I really do think it takes a village um, to make it, you know, the, the best look it could be for whatever, you know, for whatever we're
1: dressing them for. OK, so you're addressing clients and setting trends at the same time. Mm-hmm. What are some of the different ways that you can style cowboy boots? That's kind of the basis for the look.
6: Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, I think I guess I'll just I'll take, you know, Miranda's uh, Velvet Rodeo residency as an example. I mean, the she has her own collection of of boots um, and her brand called Idlewind. And we definitely wanted to incorporate those. Um, And they were really um, I think from from the standpoint of her being able to perform on a large stage um, for a prolonged period of time with a lot of walking around and moving. I mean, it was just a comfort factor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she wasn't going to be able to wear, you know, a high heel performance, you know, but even if it was a cowboy style, um, so her cowboy boots were the perfect fit for that particular, you know, job, that particular look. Um, and, uh, adding, you know, of course, a little sparkle, uh, for, for Vegas, um, kind of created... Brought that look full full circle, um, and I don't I don't know that it would have started with the cowboy boot, but the cowboy boot definitely was. It was a given. We were 100 percent going to be wearing cowboy boots for that.
1: Now, Jalen, tell me a little bit more about Planet Cowboy. What sets your boots apart?
7: Um. My boots are super colorful. Um, I'm kind of known for sort of going outside the brown, black, red, turquoise look. And they're very uh, retro, um, simple stitch, bright color. um, And they definitely people know when they're walking down the street with a Planet Cowboy.
1: OK, so what are people asking for when they come to visit? I mean, your shop is one of the more popular boot stores in the city. What do people want when they walk in the doors?
7: Uh, it's kind of two different sort of people. Some people are coming in because they want to go to a concert or the CMA Awards or they other people want to like they landed in Nashville and they want to be giddied up for, you know, going downtown and going out and, and partying and having a good time. So So I kind of get a mix of people from all different places. And I also get a lot of locals. I do get, you know, the cowboy that lives in town that wants a handmade quality boot that will last them a lifetime. And so I make sure that I provide, um, you know, a range of like easily walkable, affordable boots and also lifetime boots that are um, a bit more of an investment.
1: All right. So I want to see if you two can combine your skills and pick out some (laughs) cowboy boots for a Nashvilleian, we all know. How about Mayor John Cooper? Tiffany, what colors would you put him in?
6: Oh, my goodness. That's a tricky one. Uh, the boots specifically. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I would probably go with black because it's so classic He'll be able to wear it with anything. I think he'd get the most price per wear out of a quality cowboy boot in black.
1: Okay. Jalen, what kind of boots would you work for the mayor?
7: Uh, I would probably go with more of a chocolate or an anthracite because it'd be more like a, a, like a, much like a anthracite has like a combination between gray and brown and it'll go with both and um, maybe spin it with a little bit of like a pointy snip toe and a Cuban heel.
1: Okay. Okay. All right. This Give is him- fun.
7: A a different look.
1: <laughs> what, what is a Cuban heel?
7: Uh, it's just slanted back a little bit more. It's uh, very traditional.
1: Okay. This, yeah. is, this is a lot of fun. All right, let's move on to another famous Nashvilleian. How about Titans star running back Derrick Henry? Ooh. Jalen, what color scheme are we working with there?
7: Uh, let's go with like, I would go with like a cobalt blue maybe or no no yeah but it has to have the maroon in it too so it would be like maybe like a maroon boot with some like you know bright shiny blue piping and stitch
1: okay all right and now king henry is a very very big dude <laughs> so tiffany what how would we build out the, the look with the cowboy boots that jalen just described
6: oh gosh um i mean i guess See, I mean, it would depend on so many factors. I have so many questions. I, I think I'd have to know where he's going. Let's just say he's going to go somewhere he needs to be wearing a suit, maybe. Okay. Um, I would definitely do a black double-breasted suit. Um, I love double-breasted on a bigger guy because I think it. it you always want to create that inverted V shape, um, and it just kind of gives it a deeper V shape so it's just more flattering to the eye.
1: Okay. All right.
6: And let the boots be the star.
1: Let the boots be the star of the show. Yeah. All right. So Jalen, you know, for anyone who's looking to add a little bit of Nashville twist on country style to their wardrobe, what should they Mm -hmm. think about purchasing first? Like what's the staple or accessory that can be used with nearly any outfit?
7: Well, I mean, I'm a little bit biased, so I'm going to go with boots. (laughs) Um, I, I would say if you're coming to Nashville and you want to make a splash, go with something super colorful um a bright boot and have a really good time with it if it's going to be an everyday boot then um black is kind of fun um but you know like planet cowboy boots our black boots have a red interior so you can kind of show that off with shorts or skirt if you feel like giving a little splash
1: all right tiffany
6: yeah i mean i think cowboy boots are a winner for me i mean the same i have to agree with her Um, and I'm all about a colorful accessory. Um, let the accessory kind of be the star and the shining moment of your outfit. Um, so definitely I would go with a boot and do something bright and fun, maybe a metallic hot pink or something like that.
1: All right. So what are some styling tips you have for people who are looking to add, you know, cowboy boots to their fashion arsenal?
6: Oh gosh. Um, well, I think again, I mean, I kind of will reiterate what I've been saying. I think having a cowboy boot that is... I would have a cowboy boot on hand that's definitely more of a statement piece. Um, I love kind of creating an outfit and then let the ex- letting the accessories shine. Um, I think it always elevates an outfit to have accessories, whether it's, you know, a handbag or whatever. In this case, we're talking about cowboy boots. So for sure, having something that... Um, whether it's a little bit of bling or it's a metallic or it's your favorite color. I mean, I'm obsessed with chartreuse, which is definitely a very bright, bold neon kind of between a yellow and a green. Mm-hmm. Um, i That's where I would would go to if it were me. Um, but then I definitely think you have to have a pair of black um, regular, you know, cowboy boots that don't have necessarily any uh, any. Um, Nothing that's that's uh, glaring, you know, your eye away from the rest of the outfit. I ha- personally have a pair of ankle boot, uh, cowboy boot that have that has a zip on the inside, so that it's great that you can wear pants over the cowboy boot. I feel like that's one of the main complaints I get with uh, with clients, especially men who want to wear a slimmer leg pant. Um, there obviously are tricks. There's a uh, boot snakes that you can kind of wrap around the shaft of your boot in order for the pant to go around the boot. Nicely, so it's not you don't see this big shaft of the boot sticking out, um, with your pants. So, but you also can get a style that has the zip that's thinner to your leg,
1: Jalen. Very quickly, about 30 seconds, what do you think the cowboy boot style says about Nashville?
7: Let's go out and have a good time and be comfortable while you're doing it.
1: That's um, not, mm-hmm.
7: yeah, <laughs> that's basically it. It's uh, it's a, it's the definitely the thing that you can dance in. You can two step in it, and you can have fun all night partying, and your feet feel good.
1: All right, all right. That is Jalen Raymer, designer and owner of Planet Cowboy. She was joined by celebrity stylist Tiffany Gifford. I want to thanks to you all for being with us. Really it. That was next So just for fun, we're going to go out today with a little bit of Brooks and Dunn. That's right. It's time for me to boot, scoot, boogie on out of here. We want to thank everyone who tuned in this hour. This is Nashville is a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Our producers are Steve Harouche, Rose Gilbert, and Magnolia McKay. Our digital lead is Anna Gallegos Cannon. Michaela Elias is our technical director. Our executive producer is Andrea Tudhope. Shout out to our intern, Tori Hoover, and the masterminds behind our theme music, Laurent Gendermier-Blade. The conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at Nashville. And tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil A. Colonna. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And be good to each other.